Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, live from Salt River Fields. All right, we are live from Salt River Fields, and that means D-backs Cubs in about an hour, and we are pleased to be joined right now by D-backs pitcher Dre Jamison. So, Dre, we had, uh, first of all, thanks for the time. How are you doing, man? Yeah, good. good. You? Good. Doing good. We had uh, we had Ryan Nelson on just a couple segments ago, and it's like a flashback to last year because Ryan made his debut against the Padres and just completely shut them down. And then, like a week and a half later, you did the same thing against the Padres. <laughs> Which I, was kind of nice. Yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. Um, if I remember right, and maybe I'm wrong, were you guys roommates, too? Yeah, we okay. were. All right. Yeah. Um, how is it now? You're out here at spring training. Everything's kind of starting up, but you have already you've already pitched now in the majors and you know you can pitch well in the majors i mean yeah it's just a thing that i've uh trained my whole life and uh you know when you get that opportunity you want to make the best of it so um you know you stay within yourself you go out and you do what you know how to do best and results happen you got any junk on ryan you want to throw our way or you know what I mean? just rip them a little bit <laughs> no, no 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 not no, at no, all um, no, high no. look at that so where are you from bro i'm from greenfield indiana greenfield indiana is that uh a big place, big town? Or? No, it's it's definitely not a big town at all. Um, it's like 25 minutes east of Indianapolis, a uh, small town. Um, I was a class of like 370 people. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so you've taken a little bit different path, your baseball path. Would you say that's yeah, true? Yeah, 100%, yeah. Okay, so give us the background as to how you got into it. Um, I had two older brothers growing up, and um, I mean, I still have two older brothers, but, uh, <laughs> and it was kind of a thing of like, you know, growing up not having much to do, you know, around in the small town, so it's a lot of backyard games and that kind of stuff, and um, you know, having two older brothers, I had to compete at their level um, if I wanted to play, so when I was four, five, six years old, they're, they're playing outside with all their buddies, and if I'm going to compete with them, they're not going to take it easy on me, so I had to, you know, up my game and be a little more tough than. So it started that young. That young, yeah. Wow. Um, it actually is a funny story. As a young kid, um, I always told my mom, "I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm addicted to candy." And I was like, "I got to do something. I got to be a professional athlete, stuff like that." And um, at the time, I didn't know what sport I wanted to pursue later on. And um, one of the three that I played, so. Yeah, and then I found out, like, baseball was probably my best chance, and uh, I ran with it. So i got to ask you, I mean, what what kind of candy? What's the candy you love? I mean, you got to go with Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> oh, that's hard. Oh, okay, no, right that there. is. That's good stuff. I'm serious. <laughs> you got to be committed to gets, the Sour Patch Kids. It gets caught in your teeth sometimes. It yeah, it does. It does. Nasty. Sure. It's perfect. Yeah. The flavor never goes away. <laughs> yeah. um, that's, uh, that's the ultimate revenge on the older brothers, right? Like, they're going to make you compete when you're four or five years old, and your revenge is, hey, I'm now pitching in, in the majors. Yeah. That doesn't get a whole lot <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Uh, we were talking about the, the rule changes earlier, and, and, I mean, I guess there's no way to really know how they're going to uh, impact you yet. But, you know, from a, a pitcher's perspective, it does feel like a lot of these rule changes are to benefit the hitters and the base runners, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, there there's pros and cons on the pitching side, and there's pros and cons on the hitting side. Um, as you saw, like, Max Scherzer the other day, he took it to his advantage. Um and that's that's ways of like trying to learn from, you know, a vet like that that dove in and and really found found loopholes around it and took it to his advantage is something that I'm gonna kind of like look into and try to do that as well. But for my own sake, um, I kind of like it in a way because once you start getting into a groove and and stuff's flowing, 
you can't have a hitter just try to, you know, yeah, slow the game down. And it's like, no, it's in my control now, and you got to get in the box. So um, you like the pitch clock? Yeah, I don't mind it that much. I mean, the beginning of the last. My last start, what I forget what it was, Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Um, I didn't know that you had to have the last warm-up pitch before 30 seconds, or you get balled. And uh, I was kind of shook on that when he yeah. stopped me and was like, "Ah, it's a, it's a ball." I was like, "What?" <laughs> At that point, start the clock in a minute 20, not a minute 50. Yeah. So. How did the other guys feel about this in the clubhouse? Do they um, like the pitch clock, the pitchers? I don't really hear too much on it. Um, I mean, ultimately, I think everyone wants to be able to go out there and do whatever the heck they want, um, and not and not be rushed. But at the same time, honestly, I really don't know. Yeah, we're talking to Dre Jameson. Uh, Dre, do you think, in a way, maybe it is easier for a younger player like yourself that you know you've you've been pitching a certain way your whole life, but you get some of these vets that have been in the majors for twelve, thirteen years. They probably don't want to change how they're doing things out there on the mound. I mean, yeah, I mean they got. They've been playing the game a little bit longer, but I mean, coming from a standpoint of like time and whatever, I mean, it's it's the same it's the same thing. Vet or not, I mean, we've all been thrown off that mound for a very long time with no time. So, um, I, I think it's just something that you got to get used to, and you got to bite the bullet and just do it. So, as a pitcher, Dre, what is your strength? What do you think are your strengths? Um, I'm definitely competitive. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to out-compete me, that's for sure. Um, you know how they say, you know, little man syndrome and that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, that definitely can fall into my category for sure. But um, I, just, I just compete. I hate losing. Um, and I'm going to do everything in my power to put the that's who I'm with now, the D-backs, uh, to win. That's, that's my goal, and um, I'm going to do everything I can to win. Talking to Dre Jamison, uh, we were talking to Ryan earlier, and just the the idea of there's a lot of young talent on this team, and so you know it affects everybody differently. But as a young player breaking into this league, does it make it easier to look in your outfield and be like, okay, these guys are all young, kind of breaking into, and there's other young starters in the rotation or guys in the bullpen? Does does that make the transition easier to the majors? Yeah, I mean, you, you're coming up with a lot of guys that you've seen coming up as well um you're not coming into a whole different atmosphere with with guys and stadiums and that kind of stuff so it does help a lot um but it is also nice to have some vets around to, to show you your ways and um help you through the process what would you say is your best pitch and what are you working on right now um personally i like my sinker the best mm. but statistically my slider is the best um and right now I'm working on the front hip sinker to lefties um, and trying to get the change up down, consistently down, and then um, just commanding the forcing to the top top of the zone. For for spring training, I mean, your, your outing against Oakland was pretty solid the other day. It's a good start. But um, when you're trying to work on a new pitch, is it tough in, in spring training? There's people at these games watching. You're kind of maybe trying something that you're not quite as comfortable with because this is the time to tinker with stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, I had a walk my last outing and it was to a lefty i forget who it was but um i was trying to do the front hip sinker and it wasn't it wasn't getting over enough on the plate uh it was more of a straight down rather than i was getting more side in my bullpens and in my lives and i think too is because adrenaline is coming a little hotter than usual so i didn't have the the break that i wanted on the pitch and just because I'm in a spring training game doesn't mean I'm going to run away from it because that's something I'm working on. This is a time to get your work in, figure stuff out, 
in a game situation. So um, ended up walking a guy on it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just part of the developing early on right now to be ready for opening day. Speaking of working on, I asked you what your strengths were, what you thought they were. What do you think you need to get better at? What are your weaknesses? Hmm. That's a good question. No, no, I love this right here because, yeah. you know, what? you're very, very competitive. I can, I can see it in you. You've got a little something-something coming out of the side of your neck doing this interview right now. That's that's competition, right? Yeah. I mean, that's who you are. You're not this guy that walks around just grinning all day, are you? No. <laughs> no. See, look at this, Luke. I recognize, I, I recognize this right here. I really do. I played 10 years in the NFL. I know exactly what you're talking about and what you're feeling right now. This is no joke to you, is it? No. No, I mean this is this is something I dreamed of my whole life, and um, I want to be competing on the biggest stage. So, something I take serious. And like back to your uh, question, um, stuff I need to work on is getting that four seam up to the top of the zone, consistently throwing that sinker in the zone, and then having sometimes of it fading off out of the zone uh, is one thing that I really need to work on, um, and throwing that change up a little bit more. Um, those are those are my key points on trying to develop those kind of pitches and then becoming an elite pitcher, not an average pitcher. Well, Dre, we, uh, we appreciate the time, man. Good luck with everything this spring and, and throughout the, uh, the regular season and hopefully even beyond. Awesome. Thank you. Right, Dre, thanks, thank you, man. Great Joining us right there. And we come back to Suns, fell to the Bucks. Just how different will they look on Wednesday with Kevin Durant potentially in the lineup, though? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfen down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolfen Luke. Hey, boy. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it is a little bit afternoon here on a Monday, but that's because we were talking to Dre Jameson, who I think has won Wolf over last uh, last segment. You want to talk about smoldering. He's got it. It's what you want from your pitcher. But now it's time for Wolfing Down Your Lunch at, uh, at 1215. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron? So, the Arizona State Sun Devils men's basketball team upset the number 7 Arizona Wildcats 89-88 on Saturday at the McHale Center in the most improbable of fashions. So, the final 2.9 seconds inbounded to Des Cambridge. Launches from backcourt. Oh! He made it! Oh! He made it! He made it! Cambridge knocks down a three from backcourt, and the Sun Devils have won it! The Sun Devils have won it on a desperation three-pointer from Des Cambridge! So do you think that finish by ASU could put them in the tournament? I tell you, it's memorable too. I mean, if you're if you're the selection committee and and it comes down to a tiebreaker, you might be thinking, oh yeah, okay, ASU just beat U of A on a buzzer beater, and it wasn't like a layup at the buzzer; it was a sixty footer. Uh, it doesn't put them in, but boy, it takes them from being in a spot where it looked like they were probably heading towards the NIT to all of a sudden in the driver's seat. I would say uh, Casey Jacobson on with Bickley and Rod this morning pointed that out that no other bubble team has a win like that lately. So that's that's a huge advantage. You want to have those wins late in the season. Yeah, you know what? Um, it definitely improves their chances. There's no doubt about that. But 
there's still a lot of work I think needs to get done right here. Um, I think they got to split. I think they have to split this weekend. Uh, if they win both games, I would agree with you. If they beat UCLA and they beat USC on the road, if they do that this this coming weekend, um, I believe they're in. Well, and Tim Healy's going to join us in a little bit. Kyle Dodd, uh, I would assume, can't because he just, just probably lost his voice screaming in the background of that cut right there. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, the Chicago Bears have been approached by multiple teams about trading the number one pick in this year's NFL draft. And Chicago is said to be leaning towards moving the pick. So I know this isn't a shock to both of you, but do you think the Cardinals will get a lot of calls on the third overall pick? Yeah, I think they will, right? I mean, if you if you let it be known that you're open to it, and I think Monty Austin Fort kind of already did that, that he's open to listening to offers, doesn't mean he has to take them. I think the Cardinals will definitely get a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of buzz right there because if if the Bears trade the pick, you figure two quarterbacks are off the board. There's always a, a quarterback desperate team that would at least look at moving up, or there might just be a team that's like, hey, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter are both still there at that point. We can have our pick of anybody else in the draft. I think they'll get calls i think the bears are going to trade the pick that's just my guess right now i think the bears are going to trade the pick because they like justin fields uh he's only in year two right now i think you could point and say that he did get better from year one to year two um he's still an average quarterback right now but he does have an awful lot of playmaking ability I think they're going to give him one more shot and maybe go ahead and move down, collect a bivy of picks. I think they're going to trade that first pick overall because Justin Fields is worth seeing another year or two before you go ahead and move off of him. So, yeah, I think that definitely is going to happen. You guys are out at Salt River Fields for D-back spring training. So what is your guys' expectations for the upcoming D-back season? I think this team Man. could could honestly, I feel like they could hang around. Okay, so last year, what did you, you said 76 70, wins and I said 75. 74, you said 70. Okay, so we were, okay, yes. well, then you, I guess you were right. Oh, well, that that yeah. kind of ruins the whole point. But either okay. way, we were close. Right. I, I feel like... Um, I feel like they are absolutely capable of hanging around in the wild card race and maybe getting in, honestly. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they're definitely going to make it. I, I really do want to see. It feels silly to say this about one player, but I want to see what this Gabriel Marino dude's all about because that was that was why they made the Dalton Varsho trade. And there's a lot of people that, that love his hitting ability. And if he can hit the way people think he can and this outfield comes along... I'm a little worried about the, uh, the the starting pitching experience and the bullpen, and those yeah. are obviously two pretty big That's things. That's exactly it. But I think they can hang around. I mean, you win 80 games, you're hanging around. Yeah, I don't think it's out of the question. I don't that they could win 81 games, be a 500 team. I don't think it's out of the question. I just, you know... Man, it's a meritocracy, is it not? Professional sports, you got to go out and you got to prove it. You got to prove that you can win. You got to prove that you are a good team. You got to prove that you're worthy of actually being in the postseason. You got to prove all of this. And there's just so many question marks surrounding the Diamondbacks right now. I don't think uh, you can't say it with certitude. You got to go prove it.
The Suns lost to the Bucks yesterday, 104-101. Devin Booker scored 24 points, and DeAndre Eaton added 22 in a close loss late. Here's Monty Williams on the rotation and why some of their acquisitions at the deadline haven't seen the court. There's a lot of guys to play. Okay. You know, we're already playing uh, 10, you know. So to play him, you got to bump somebody out. And um, we feel like we have a decent rhythm with D. Lee and, and um, for the most part, J.O. and, and Tori and banning that, that starting spot, and then here soon we're going to get Kevin, and that's going to knock somebody else out. So you can't play everybody, and uh, I explained that to the group yesterday. We need a great deal of sacrifice from the group. Um, so there may be a shot for him to play, but right now we feel like we have a decent rhythm with the guys we're playing. Are you reading into him saying, assuming we're going to get Kevin soon? Are we assuming this? <laughs> yes. Yes, I. Yes, it's going to happen at some point in time. We know it's going to happen it's, at some point in time right week. now. It's happening, it's happening right? Week. It's Charlotte. Come on. Here we go. It's Wednesday. It makes sense. Even if it's not Charlotte, although we haven't heard anything now to indicate that it wouldn't be, you have to think it's by Friday, right? Hey, yes. Here's what I'll say. Everybody just assumed, and kind of myself included, when they said, oh, he'll be ready after the All-Star break. Everybody just assumed, oh, it'll be the first game after the All-Star break. Of course. Right? Uh, but that was not any- anything the Suns ever said. And now this, this stuff that's more detailed last week of their targeting Wednesday in Charlotte, that that's a little more specific than just after the All-Star break. And that's still very much in play. I mean, you see him out there. He's, he's working out. He's out there in warm-ups. Like, he's... He's close. Yeah. He's, he's close, and they obviously need him. You know, to me, I wonder if he could have played against the Bucs. I really do. I think if that was uh, a playoff he, game, he, he could have. Seriously. I, I think, he, of course, he would have had that opportunity. And I wonder if they looked at it and said, you know what? Um, this is going to be more like a playoff game. This is going to be a physical, aggressive competitive game and you know what your first game back maybe that's not the atmosphere we want to put you into i wonder if that had anything to do yeah that you know that could be it certainly because that's not the atmosphere against charlotte I can tell you that. correct um, it could be that i i think i i have to assume the overwhelming sentiment is when he can play Maybe you wait a couple more games just to be safe. And I feel like that point already hit, and they've waited a couple more games just to be safe. Especially if Jay Crowder, you didn't know it was the Jay Crowder affair. You didn't know what that was going to do and what that might have looked like. Who knows? So, you know, maybe they were just going to say, why don't you just... Charlotte looks better. Yeah, maybe smart. I mean, he's going to have to play against some of these teams, though, soon. Milwaukee, again, on March 14th. And and I made this point yesterday... um, that's March 14th. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> March 14th is March 14th. That's right. There's no denying that. You're right. It's not his first game back at that point. Um, I, I want to see what the duo of Durant and Booker specifically can do against that Milwaukee defense because it's easy to get caught up in this, and it might be 100% right that when those two are out there and healthy and, and in a rhythm, they're, they're, they might be unstoppable, honestly. But if there is a team that can stop them, it would be Milwaukee. So I'm really looking forward to that game in particular. And I hope Giannis plays in that game, too. Like, I want to see both those teams at full strength because that absolutely could be a, a, a finals hey, rematch. May, maybe March 14th, you say, KD, sit down. <laughs> or maybe at that point, it's D-Book, 
You sit down. I can't because that's part of that week, Wolf, where you've got NFL free agency and you've got March Madness. <laughs> and you, you know, Those guys got to play on Tuesday uh, that week against uh, We against don't want Milwaukee. any scouting report by the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, next. What's, uh, what do you make of some of these guys that aren't playing? T.J. Warren really hasn't played much. Darius Baisley hasn't played at I all. I know. And I threw this out on Twitter, and a lot of people were like, yeah, I don't understand what they're doing. And I'm not saying Monty Williams is doing something wrong, but if Darius Baisley's not playing when they don't have Durant, and T.J. Warren's barely playing when they don't have Durant, he just said it right there in yeah. that cut. It's not like a bunch of minutes are going to open up when they put Kevin no, Durant in the lineup. Exactly. You're going to you're going to go into an eight man rotation for the most part, and and maybe fluctuate from there. But um, yeah, it doesn't look good if you're not getting time now. It doesn't look great. But maybe it's also part of practice and some of the practice guys that they're going to have out there and practicing hard. Well, that's that's what this. Uh these final, what now, 20 games are about of, of filling out that rotation. That's why I'm saying, I'm not saying Monty Williams is doing anything wrong. He's he's figuring out his rotation. They yeah. out, he didn't trade for Darius Baisley. I like Darius Baisley. Uh, maybe he hasn't looked great in practice, or maybe it's like he just said, Torrey Craig has looked really good, and he's liked what he's seen from some of these other guys. Terrence Ross has looked pretty good for a guy you just got in the buyout market, too. So, there's a lot of different directions they can go with this, but the big picture and, and the overarching point uh, now is you got to get Kevin Durant in there and see how the pieces fit around him. All comes back to KD. Oh, it's been coming back to KD since July when he wasn't even on the team. All right, uh, that was Wolf and Down Your Lunch mixed in there as well, so thanks to Aaron for that. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. In case you hadn't heard, ASU beat U of A in improbable fashion on Saturday, so could that be enough to get them into March Madness. We're going to talk to the voice of the Sun Devils. Tim Healy will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back. We are out here at Salt River Fields, and that, of course, means spring training is upon us. Got a couple games in over the weekend, but Wolf also means it's almost March, and that means March Madness. And if you needed a reminder of just how great March Madness can be, the Sun Devils, and specifically Desmond Cambridge Jr., gave us that reminder over the weekend. So joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line is the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy. Tim, thank you so much for the time. I know you've uh, you've seen a lot in your time with ASU, but have you ever seen anything quite like what we saw over the weekend? I don't think so, Luke. Uh, certainly not in men's basketball. Uh, as I tweeted, I think, uh, later in the afternoon, uh, probably automatically zooms into the top five moments I've called in my 25 years as the radio voice. I did a Tim's Top 25 article for the ASU website at the beginning of the football season uh, in honor of my 25th year calling the games and chose my Top 25 moments. But uh, tell you what, this one uh, automatically gets a pass into the Top 5 and maybe into the Top 2 or 3. It was uh, electrifying. Uh, and in some ways, I think the best thing about it is that it was the conclusion, the exclamation point at the end of what I thought was a terrific basketball game. Uh, Kyle Dodd and I even mentioned that on our broadcast late in the game when the Sun Devils were still trailing Arizona, that uh, this is probably, in my 25 years, the best 
ASU U of A game I've called in Tucson in that time. And even better than uh, some of the few wins the Sun Devils have managed at McHale Center over the last quarter century. It was just a closely contested game, 18 lead changes, 11 ties. Uh, I don't think uh, either team uh, led more uh, than uh, 10 points. Uh, Arizona built a 10-point lead with six and a half minutes remaining, and that's uh, the aspect of the game people are, haven't talked about as much in the last two days, the fact that the Sun Devils held the Wildcats to just one basket in the last uh, six and a half minutes of the game and uh, just locked down defensively and uh, got some big shots from uh, Des Cambridge and then that one at the buzzer. Uh, you know, you, when you're calling it, you're just calling it on instinct. And uh, as it set sail, you had a feeling it had a chance to go in. And then, my goodness, nothing but net. I mean, it didn't touch any part of the rim of the backboard. It was as pure as pure can be. And uh, one of the great moments in Arizona State men's basketball history, to be sure. Timmy, there's no doubt about it, man. You never sounded better or more real as you did on that call right there. Um how big do you think this is, my friend, for ASU in terms of their tournament chances? It certainly helps, Wolf. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, you know, it's a quad one win and a huge quad one win over a uh, you know top ten ranked team in their building. Uh, I do think, uh, unfortunately, that uh, the Sun Devils still may have some work left to do. I think it it's a big resume enhancer, but uh, they have two more resume enhancers on their schedule this weekend when they go to Los Angeles. Uh, they're at number four UCLA and newly crowned Pac-12 regular season champion UCLA on Thursday night. And then they play at USC, which is having a terrific season on Saturday. Two really, really difficult games. But I'll tell you what, the ASU players to a man have told me all year long. We had Warren Washington on both pregame and postgame on Saturday and, uh, you know, the, the, he said and all the players have said they feel that when they play their best and when they're hitting shots, and that's the big X factor with this ASU team because their shooting game in and game out has not been great. But when they hit their shots, they feel like they can beat anybody in the country. Mm-hmm. And they proved it on uh, uh, Saturday, you know, playing in, I think, the toughest environment for an opposing team in all of college basketball, McHale Center. And, uh, and you know, they shot 53% in that ball game. And uh, there are two other uh, really good games this season. They, they uh, routed Michigan to win the championship of the Legends Classic in Brooklyn back in November. And then they had an impressive 17-point win at Oregon in uh, early January. And in both those games, they shot well over 50%. If they can hit shots, they guard well enough that uh, they give themselves a chance to beat just about anybody. So, uh, But my feeling is I think they really, you know, to feel good about getting into March Madness, they I think they really need one of these games um, on uh, this coming weekend. And I think the UCLA game may prove to be a bigger game uh, because they're a higher-ranked team, and uh, beating UCLA would help ASU in a potential tiebreaker situation because right now the Sun Devils are alone in fourth place in the Pac-12, and if they stay in fourth, they'll get a first-round bye at the conference tournament next week. But Oregon is uh, nipping at their heels, and Oregon has an easier finishing schedule this week than ASU. 
But if the Sun Devils could beat UCLA, that could give them an advantage and a potential tiebreaker with Oregon. But I feel, I still think there's work to do, Wolf. But, uh, boy, this the team has played so hard this year. You'd love to see them get to be in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Talking to Tim Healy. Uh, Tim, you kind of touched on it in there of, of, of how well this team is uh, is capable of defending. And I'm, I'm just, you know, looking at, at how dangerous they could be in the Pac-12 tournament or, you know, if they get into March Madness, how dangerous they could potentially be. Uh, how much of an asset has that defense become for this group? It's been huge because there have been several games this year, Arizona being one of them, where they have in crunch situations just completely locked down opponents. They won a semifinal game at that Legends Classic in Brooklyn back in November by beating Virginia Commonwealth. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they held BCU without a field goal for the final nine minutes of that game. They trailed by 11 with nine minutes to go, but then they hold them without a basket the rest of the way and uh, end up winning the game. At Colorado on December 1st, they were trailing by 15 at halftime, but then they shut down the Buffaloes in the second half of that game and rallied to win on a Des Cambridge three-pointer with about two seconds remaining in the game. Uh, they've had several instances this year you know, where they've trailed in the second half. You wish they could make it a little easier on themselves, but they just have shown a knack that uh, when it's getting down to crunch time and they need it, they can rely on their defense to uh, lock down opponents. And Saturday, you know, they're down 10 to one of the top 10 ranked teams and one of the top 10 offensive teams in all of college basketball in Arizona. And they hold the Wildcats to just one basket in the final six and a half minutes. Uh, So, uh, uh, you know, they just they just seem to have this knack. They defend uh, passionately and uh, and they have more size and length and athleticism. I think Alonzo Gaffney has been an undervalued uh, uh, quality player for them on the defensive end of the floor with his tremendous length. He has like a seven foot four wingspan. I call him Spider-Man out on the court because that's what he looks like uh, uh, almost goes sideline to sideline with his own length and uh, he has done a really good job guarding on the perimeter and uh, helping underneath and uh, getting rebounds and he had 10 points uh, a valuable contribution off the bench on Saturday in Tucson uh, so that defense is going to come in huge and again it gets down to shot making with this team they've got guys that can make shots and if they can shoot at a high percentage uh, to give you an example Luke, this year I think there's something like 16 and two when they merely shoot 40 percent or better from the wow. field. They've only lost twice this year when they've shot uh, better than 40 percent. Once uh, they they're lost to UCLA and then they lost a home game to Oregon in those circumstances. So that's an indicator that if they can shoot respectably, they don't have to be lights out. Uh, they have a good chance of winning any game they play. Uh, talking to Tim Healy. All right, Tim. Let's let's uh, that game on Saturday specifically. Desmond Cambridge to hit that shot. He's had a unique college career. For people that don't really know him, what can you tell us about him? Great, great kid. And uh, uh, in one year, he's made uh, the all interview team. Uh, in fact, my son Joe, who has his own uh, web uh, podcast and is a diehard Sun Devil fan and ASU graduate, has commented on several times this year. He's listened to Des on our post game interviews and just has been enthralled by uh, the quality of uh, the comments and insights that Des provides. He's a really sharp kid, really good kid, and uh, he's a heck of a player. 
He began his college career at Brown in the Ivy League and spent two years there and was the Ivy League rookie of the year as a freshman and averaged close to 17 points a game both seasons at Brown. Then he transfers to Nevada and again continues to score at a high pace, averaged uh, 17 a game in both of his seasons with the Wolfpack. And uh, now this year at ASU, he got off to a bit of a slow start. But, boy, the last couple of months, he's been uh, one of the better shooters and scorers in the Pac-12. And uh, just a tremendous uh, kid and teammate. And we really do enjoy having him on the postgame show. Just love hearing his uh, his thoughts and his insights. And he and his brother, Devin, uh, you know, who are playing together for the first time this year as they close out and wind down their college careers, they have been just tremendous additions to this program. And that, to me, guys, is one of the uh, also undervalued components of this ASU season is Bobby Hurley began this year with a starting lineup consisting of four players who were in their first year in the program, four guys who transferred in from elsewhere. And yet uh, they have been able to develop a chemistry and uh, a togetherness. And this team really, these guys really like each other and they enjoy hanging out with each other. And I think that's been a big part of the success they have have had this year and uh, uh, the Cambridge brothers have been a huge part of that and if Des uh, closes out with a couple of big games this week I think he might have a chance to be uh, a first team all Pac-12 selection this year. Nice. Tim, thank you Timmy for your time man. Really appreciate it buddy. Oh, Always great to be on with you guys. Thanks Tim. We appreciate it. That's Tim Healy, the voice of the Sun Devils. It's not a better day to have the voice of the Sun Devils on than, uh, than after what happened this weekend. We come back. We're going to switch gears back to baseball. We're out here at Salt River Fields. Andrew Chafin is back on the D-backs, and he's going to join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, live from Salt River Fields. On your home for Arizona Diamondbacks baseball, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we are back here at Salt River Fields. It is Wolf and Luke on a Monday afternoon now. D-backs getting set to take on the Chicago Cubs here in about 25 minutes. And we are joined by a name very familiar to D-backs fans up here in the, I don't know where we are. We're like the left field patio or something. I don't know what's fancy up here. Andrew Chafin has, uh, has joined us. Andrew, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Just enjoying the weather. Another beautiful day for ball. You're uh, you're back. You're back with the D-backs. What's that feel like? Man, it's, it's it's weird. I don't really know how to explain it, but I just it's it's a good weird. How so, Andrew? Well, <laughs> you didn't know how to I explain it. I literally just said I don't it's know how good, to explain it. I know it. that. I, but, you know, it being a weird a good, dude myself, like, I, I like to know that. It's what like my baseball days? home. It's like where I grew up playing. It's like going back to your hometown after a long time. Obviously, two years isn't that long of a time, but I guess in, in the baseball world, it feels like it. Um, but just coming back, everything's the same but different. All different faces in the clubhouse, it seems. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's a different environment but the same place yeah are you one of these guys that come into spring training and you've got something specific on your mind something you're going to work on is there are, have you ever been like that andrew well yes and no i uh i like to keep things very simple so okay. i'm going to work on this year is uh getting hitters out okay don't okay. care how don't don't care why you don't care We're just how gonna get it out. happens you're yep. gonna get them out right now that's the plan okay I just I, I want to thank you because when you sat down, they pulled the camera off of us and just put it right on you. So now we don't have to deal with the camera; just you do. It's that's that's very nice of you. I appreciate that. Well, I'm not used to cameras with a radio thing. Yeah, neither are we. That's why. No. That's why we had to put it you on gotta, you. Got a face for radio. How'd your off season go? <laughs> oh, it was fantastic. The weather was crap, and it was beautiful. Um, 
<laughs> no, I just spent the whole time on the farm, just working on stuff, improving everything around there. Um, <laughs> what kind of farm is it, Andrew? I mean, let's give us specific details. When you say farm, what should our image be? Oh, I got about 300 acres out in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. Oh, big rolling hills, big creek run through the bottom. We got like six or seven ponds, lots of row crop fields, bunch of woods. We got everywhere. cattle? Uh, not right now. We'll, we'll we buy them in the spring, put them on pasture all summer, oh. all fall. so we're like the middleman for that. Um, it's basically just a glorified hobby farm, and I, I just like to refer to it as my playground. My sister does the exact same thing, man. She owns about 300 acres. She goes out. She's up in, actually, down near the Pennsylvania border in western New York. She brings in cattle. You know what? Here they are. They come in, and you just fatten them up, and then you ship them out, don't you? It's a great way yep. to be, run, a, run a farm, man. Yeah, except we, we lost money last year. We bought high, sold low, didn't really have a choice for that. So that's just like anything else you you take your hits sometimes. We're talking to Andrew Chafin. Uh, Andrew, that environment you're describing is about the exact opposite of pitching in a major league baseball game. You got 300 acres and nobody bothering you, or you're on the mound and everybody's watching you. Is that is that just a good balance that you like to strike, or is it? Uh, what do, I mean, that's that's got to be an adjustment. Well, I mean, I've always been one to play in the dirt, and I get to play on the biggest pile on the field. Nice. So just go out there and don't worry about that stuff. I got one job to do, and just go focus on that, and everything else take care of itself. So, do people still call you the sheriff? I mean, do you, did you ever like that, by the way, when people said, called you the sheriff, Andrew Chaffin? I mean, it was one of those things, they, it was at the Players Weekend stuff they did with the fancy jerseys <laughs> back then, and they're like, oh, you got to put a nickname on it. And I'm like, I don't, everybody just calls me Chaffin. Um, <laughs> then, I can't remember who, who started saying it back then, but I was like, well, we'll just go with the sheriff, I guess. Uh, why not? Grinky went with Grinky, didn't he? Or he was he was lobbying to do that. No, I think he did go with Grinky. Say so that's if one but guy. Once does you that. know him, like it's a that's expected yeah, of him. That's right. So obviously, um, other than just getting hitters out, okay, other than just getting hitters out, how do you see your role this year? What do you see your role in the bullpen, Andrew? Well. As of right now, I think it's going to be one of those things. Tori's going to call down, say, get Chafin ready, and then I'm going to go in in whatever situation he wants. I don't I don't care when it is, hopefully not before the fifth. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, come in, clean up a mess, or just get, get, get the ball to the next guy kind of thing. But, yeah, I'm just going to be ready for anything and everything and go at it. Talking to Andrew Chafin. Uh, Andrew, you, you mentioned it's been a couple of years since you've been back here, and there's a lot of new guys on this team. So you have an interesting perspective of, you know, a, you know, a couple of the holdovers, I'm sure. But for the most part, there's, there's a lot of new guys here. How long does it take to get to know the personality of a team? Oof. Like, is that a spring training thing, or do we got to get into actual games before you get a feel? For me, for me personally, anyways, I feel like it takes about a month into the season. Like, okay. spring training, we're so on different schedules. Like, I don't, I don't see half the guys most of the day because we're on different fields working on different things and all that. And, uh, you know, we got, what, 70 guys in the clubhouse right now? So you're, you're never going to get a feel for what kind of kind of team or like whatever like with yeah. that many guys in there and once it dwindles down a good bit and start getting closer and you start getting a feel for it but uh, i don't think you really do until you get rolling in season i was just gonna ask you that <laughs> that was gonna be my next question i kid you not when you, when you look around the clubhouse what kind of team do you think you're gonna have oh, that question's Andrew? gone now i already asked it <laughs> 
That's not fair. We're going to have a good team. <laughs> you there, you go. there you go, Keep right simple, there. That right? is so media yeah. right there. That is speaking the language of media. We're going to have a good team. That's what we're going to yeah. do right there. We're going to go we're out. Go we're going to compete, Play right? Hard we're going to hit them high, hit them low. Rah, 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 rah. All that good stuff that comes with it right there. Um, Talk to me about your career right now and how important this season is coming up. You and I were actually talking a little bit off air in regard to uh, pension and how important this is. <laughs> it's always it's always about the career and the career total, isn't it? Yeah, no. I mean, for me, baseball is a business. Um, it's, it's for me, it's a job, just like everybody else has yep. their job. They're setting up their retirement and all that stuff. But I feel like it's one of those things every player's dream is to get ten years. Like, like that's like the a huge milestone. And what does ten years do for you as a baseball player? That that gives you the ability to have a full pension at that a point. Full pension at that yes. point, right there. Yep. Oh boy. Yep. Competitors get a little greedy on that one, don't they? <laughs> well, something like that. <laughs> we're talking to uh, to Andrew Chafin. Uh, Andrew, you you were well known uh, when your first stint with the D-backs. You know your personality. You got to have that those personality guys in the clubhouse. Who were some of the guys now that you've bounced around a little bit, and even maybe with your time with the D-backs before that were like, okay, yeah, this is a this is a big clubhouse guy that we got to have just for what they do off the field. Hmm, that's tough because as soon as I leave off the field, I'm I'm gone. Nothing to do with baseball <laughs> stuff. I'm out fishing by myself. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, every clubhouse has to have have a variety of guys in there. If you have all the same type of person, you get a bit of like a the, the monotone effect, and it's just kind of boring and complacent kind of deal. But you got a bunch of different people like me. I can be a little bit outspoken at times about dumb stuff and keep it light, keep it fun, keep you know. Keep a bit of excitement around there, no matter the situation, how the season's going, and all that. Where's uh, Where's good fishing in, in Arizona during the season? Well, I'm still working on that part. Okay, okay. <laughs> Lately, I've been going to the canal down the, down the road from where I'm living right now, and I've just go out there and catch carp all evening. You can you actually catch fish in the canals? Oh yeah, I caught one twenty plus pound the other day. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, wow. No okay. way. Yeah, what, a twenty pounder. Leg. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I. How do you get ready to play games? You got any routines? Any traditions? Anything you go through? Uh, when the game starts, I'll I'll go to the training room. I got a little blue ball. I lay on, roll my shoulder out, and I'll sip a cup of coffee at the same time, and kind of just relax. Yeah, and just take my mind off of everything for a little bit. Um, usually, just looking up dumb stuff on my phone about where I'm going to go fishing next or whatever. <laughs> but like for me, like like. <laughs> What everybody else would think is not focusing is what helps me get think, where I need to be. <laughs> Do you ever think, I, I'm a Major League Baseball player. Do you ever think about that, or is it more about, doggone it, man. I, I, I got I gotta, you know, a cast out there. <laughs> well, I do pay attention. If I get to casting too much with a left hand, I'll switch over to the right. That's why I haven't taken up fly fishing. I always wanted to do it, but every time I go out there, like, uh, cast a rod left-handed. Yeah, I'm like, awesome. I'm going to get sore from this. I better not. I'm like, I'll just try right-handed. And then the competitive side of me, like, I'm not very good right-handed with it. So I'm like, well, I'm just not going to fly fish. You can't fly fish in a canal either. There's no way that would work. Oh, you could do that. Well, There's okay. plenty of room to work about? with that. Do you actually know how to fish? No, Luke? absolutely. I've gone oh. three times. I've never caught anything. Uh, okay, great. But it was never in a canal. Yes. I tried fly fishing once, and I almost really hurt myself and a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, so I'm not the one you want lessons from. Uh, Andrew, young team, do you have a bunch of guys coming up asking you for advice? Do you foresee that happening when the season starts? Are you cool with that? That was way too many questions at once, I bud. Know. You can um, answer one of the three. It's multiple choice. Multiple choice? B. <laughs> okay, B. Um, All right. I don't remember what that question was. Yeah, but, either. no, they're, they're, like you said, there's a bunch of young guys. Um, you know, try to 
talk with them as much as I can, share my experiences, like any like things I wish I would have known at that time. Fair. Try, try to share that. Um, it's a little bit tough right now because everybody's scurrying around, doing their own thing, trying to get ready and all that. So there's not a ton of downtime per se. You know what I love you. You got the Red Sox on. We all know you. You're, you're the Red Sox guy. That That's who you are right there. And of course uh, hi, you, you've got yeah. the pants on and the, the pants are just over the knee right there. Have you ever have you, when's the last time you actually had a long pant leg on? Uh, college? We had a, uh, I, I was a Friday guy, and like the Saturday pants, they were like sweatpants and comfy, so I just wore those long because it was like wearing sweats out there because I wasn't going to pitch again. Um, but no, as soon as I realized I can pick whatever pants I want and tailor so, to so it's like. Why do you like this? That's well, baseball. Because that's baseball, that's, that's, that's how a uniform should look to me. <laughs> Perfect. That's a good So like, all these other guys, are you telling them that? What are you doing walking around like that? Oh, yeah. Are I mean, everybody that has the painted on britches out there, I'd be sure to let them know. I just. <laughs> Who painted your pants on today? <laughs> Andrew, great stuff, man. We're oh, do this my again. goodness. Thanks for the time. Anytime. Thanks for Appreciate having me. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, that's Andrew Chafin joining us right there. When we come back, we'll talk a little Cardinals football. The combine gets started this week. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.